Chapter 91 Ashams The Sun By the Sun and Its Brightness This chapter, which contrasts polarities and contradictions, emphasizes the motivation and causes of disparities discussed in its verses. The first seven verses begin with wow of oath. The sun's enormous mass and energy affects life on earth and it produces light by converting hydrogen to helium, a process that raises its core temperature to millions of degrees. Brilliant stars are created by two opposing forces, gravity, which condenses them, and repulsion, the result of its internal explosions. Stars are born when these forces are in equilibrium, but begin to condense, die, when gravity overcomes repulsion. This occurs when a star's internal fuel, due to the above-mentioned conversion, is exhausted. Therefore, life and motion originate in this world, due to these opposing forces. Gravity enables stars to circumnavigate harmoniously in a single orbit. Earth revolves elliptically around the Sun and also spins around its own axis. All of these outcomes are the work of His Lordship and Extraordinary Wisdom, both of which govern the universe. By the Moon, when it follows it, the Sun. Quran chapter 78, verse 13, says that the Sun is a brilliant light, wahaj, a celestial body that is in a state of perpetual splendor and radiance. In contrast, in this verse, the moon only reflects the sun's light. The ancient belief that it also produced light was only disproven many centuries later, although this verse stated its falsity more than 1,400 years ago. The moon reflects the sun's light that strikes it and illuminates that part of earth which is hidden from the sun. In the world of meaning, spiritually speaking, this rule is valid because some people indirectly reflect the light of God's guidance. If God is taken to be the illuminating light of the worlds, then prophets and messengers, spiritual leaders and guides are like moons that reflect His light and illuminate the darkness cast by cruel and unjust leaders. By the day when it reveals it, the sun's brilliance. The feminine pronoun suffix ha, it, refers to the sun, which reveals its brilliance and splendor during the day. In other words, the sun needs the mirror of the daytime to show its brilliance. God has enabled human beings to acquire certain attributes, but they only become apparent and verifiable when they are actualized. For instance, nobility or integrity become realities only when one performs noble and sacrificial acts, like giving up one's life to defend oneself and others from an aggressor, or not betraying someone's trust. By the night, when it fails it. The discourse then shifts from manifesting and revealing to concealing and covering. Humans can cover or reveal the truth and reality with their actions. The Quran uses the metaphor of night to denote that just as it covers the sunlight, some people deny the divine truths and intentionally conceal the eternal truth, 
the radiance of which illuminates the world of existence. Believers resemble the daytime, which manifests the truth in its full beauty. By the sky, heaven, and what, or he who constructed it? Sama, sky, sama, is prefixed with the definite article el, the, to signify that earth's sky is the one meant here, as opposed to all of the skies that exist in all of the worlds. In the phrase, ma banaha, where ma refers to the forces, causes, and reasons that resulted in building the sky. Bana, builder, indicates a person who places one brick on top of another to construct a wall. Likewise, Earth's atmosphere is made up of different layers. The Quran also alludes to the creation of our planet's atmosphere, a process that was influenced by the Earth's crust and various layers. Scientific research shows that Earth initially had no protective atmosphere. However, the interaction among the natural phenomena occurring on its surface and the actions' reactions happening within its layers gradually created it. This atmosphere buffers all forms of life from harmful radiation, meteorites, and so on. By the Earth and what or he who spread it out. The relative pronoun ma, which, designates the same natural forces that led to Earth's expansion. Submerged under water for millions of years, its crust gradually surfaced and began to spread. The result was a sustainable environment in which plants and animals could live and flourish. Approximately 20 verses lay out the stages of the divine decree through which Earth had to pass to become a suitable abode for humanity. By the soul, and what, or he, who fashioned and perfected it. The first six verses set the stage for the seventh verse, which also starts with an oath. The previous six phenomena collectively paved the way for life, God's most significant signs to come into being, human. God commanded the angels to prostrate to Adam after he bestowed two honors upon him, fashioning him in due proportion, taswia, derived from sawa, and breathing his spirit, ruh, into him. Chapter 15, verse 29 Life began with simple plants and continued to evolve through the stages of marine life, amphibians, birds, early mammals, and, finally, Homo sapiens. After the process of Teswia, humanity attained a noble status. Then he inspired it with the knowledge of depravity and God-consciousness, acute moral discernment. After humans attained the form of perfection, God inspired them with the ability to discern between good and evil, as well as between God-awareness and wretchedness so that they could choose which path to follow. Prior to this stage, all creatures were guided by their instincts. However, from this stage onward, human beings would have to use their faculties of intellect and reason. Similar to all of the celestial phenomena that stay within their own orbits and do not violate their boundaries, God inspired humanity 
the pinnacle of his creation with the knowledge of the boundaries and parameters that were not to be transgressed. What follows is the outcome or the response to the oath. Truly, whoever purifies it, one's soul, flourishes. The particle qad is used for emphasis and certainty. Falah means to flourish and split open, to be optimistic about the future. Farmers are called a falah because they open and then plow the ground so that seeds can be planted therein. The planted seeds produce hundreds of seedlings and grow into bushes, an extremely productive process that is called falah, to flourish, prosper, grow, and ultimately attain salvation. Those who purify, tazkiyah, their souls, from all forms of impurity, deserve to flourish and attain salvation. Zakat, almsgiving, which is derived from the same root, connotes the need to purify one's wealth by relinquishing that which is beyond one's needs. Nature also promotes growth by shedding its excess. For example, pruning a tree keeps it healthy and able to grow. Likewise, donating blood promotes health and quickens the production of new blood. And whoever corrupts it is ruined. In contrast to aflaha, khaba means to be disappointed, hopeless and pessimistic, to fade and decline. Those who bury, dasa, and thus destroy their souls by scheming and deluding themselves and others will incur a horrendous loss. This verb appears only here and in chapter 16 verse 59 in connection with the verse that condemns the reprehensible jahiliya practice of female infanticide. This deliberate burial of a live sanctified female infant is comparable, in terms of its seriousness, to those who choose to bury their soul so that it cannot flourish and prosper. Humans are driven to seek proofs before they will accept the truth of these teachings. Sometimes, an intelligent argument is not enough to change someone's opinion. One way to deal with this is to employ arguments based upon historical incidents. Therefore, the next verse shifts away from the theoretical and rational and toward a tangible historical anecdote, the poignant story of the Thamud tribe, whose members failed to liberate their souls. The Thamud rejected their prophet Saleh due to their arrogance and rebelliousness. The Thamud showed their contempt for the truth via their rebellious conduct, Turyan. They did not believe that one could actualize one's innate disposition and grow in spiritual perfection only through self-purification. The Quran, therefore, admonishes people to control their inclination toward haughtiness and rebelliousness when feeling self-sufficient and highly competent. In modern times, people have become so obsessed with self-indulgence, instant gratification and dominating the world that they proclaim his irrelevance and ignore him completely. Does this not encapsulate the policy of those powerful nations that force weaker nations to submit to their hegemony. This is the precise meaning of Turyan, namely, to overstep the limits and encroach upon the rights of others, as did the Thamud's tribe. 
when the most wretched one among them rose up. Inba'atha is derived from the root ba'atha, means to cause, to emerge, or to be instigated to rise up. Similarly, inqilab, revolution, connotes the readiness to accept and embrace a major change and transformation. The following example may clarify this. An opportunistic pathogen could lay dormant until suitable conditions arise and activate it, at which time it could emerge and wreak havoc, but only on a weak body, by multiplying itself. A society gives rise, ba'atha, to crime, hoarding, debauchery, corruption, and many other moral and cultural failings when its citizens do not fulfill their obligatory duties. Such societies are overwhelmed by a plethora of punishments, just as metastasized cancer cells spread throughout the body and eventually kill it. The Thamud became rebellious when cruel leaders, instead of benevolent and learned statesmen, were elevated to power. The Messenger of God said to them, This is God's she-camel, so let her drink. The next few verses examine how unjust and cruel tyrants can assume power and push aside the honorable, honest, noble, and sincere public servants. Saleh advised the Thamud not to bother a certain she-camel and to treat her fairly by sharing water with it. God caused this prophet to arise from among them as an admonisher in order to test their resolve and determine if they were God-conscious. But they rejected him and hamstrung her, so their Lord destroyed them for their sins and wiped them out. The Thamud, who rejected this admonition and killed the camel, clearly failed the test, with no fear of its consequence. No one is in a position to question God's judgment. He duly punished the Thamud for their sin by destroying them. One may question the fairness of this judgment on the grounds that he punished the whole tribe for the sin of one man. Nothing occurs in a society without its citizens' encouragement or implicit consent. In general, there is a direct correlation between the majority's moral standards and the occurrence of crimes and atrocities. One would not dare do such things openly in a society based upon nobility and honesty. When society abandons its duty to command the right, ma'roof, and forbid the wrong, munkar, it enables malicious and wicked people to gain power and dominance. In the absence of a responsible citizenry, which is tasked with holding the government accountable, there can be no just and equitable governance. The last few verses of this chapter warn people that when a community's members fail to nurture their divine seed, society as a whole will suffer from unruliness and wallow in the abyss of decline and extinction. This is the quintessential hallmark of those societies punished by God.